Hey, business building warrior. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host, Jim Cockrum, and we have a weekend update episode for you. As often as we can, we're going to compile some of the best moments from recent episodes, just in case you missed something, or if you want to be re-reminded of some of the greatest tips and strategies, some of those compelling, maybe emotional moments from some of the recent podcast episodes, some things that really get you fired up and motivated. Maybe you're going to work hard this weekend and knock out some good action on your business. Well, this is a great podcast episode to take with you, our weekend updates. These are short segments, little clips from recent episodes that you may have missed. Now, keep in mind, if you want to hear the full episode for anything you're about to hear, just check the show notes. Go to silentgym.com, find this podcast episode, and look for the show notes. We'll tell you exactly which episode each of our clips were pulled from, so you can go check out the full thing if you'd like. But in any case, thanks for being a listener to this show. Thanks for being a part of the, the growing community of people who enjoy and benefit from the Amazon and e-commerce training that we provide in this community. So one little reminder, all the great people you're going to hear today being interviewed, the discussions I'm having, they all have something in common. They are all students of the Proven Amazon course, the most established, most success-filled, most frequently updated, most cutting-edge Amazon training course that's great for anyone from brand new sellers who've never sold anything before online to some of the most advanced sellers you'll ever meet. They're all using the Proven Amazon course strategies or our coaching program. There's links to both at silentgym.com as well as a link to our free Facebook group where we've got, as I record this, over 71,000 members who are interacting from around the world using the strategies that we teach on this podcast and in our content. So let's jump into the weekend update. Thanks for listening. We'll have brand new episodes for you very soon. So keep listening, keep checking back. Enjoy the weekend update. So I want to I want to hit something that um, you mentioned that I didn't realize was part of your story that I want to make sure just to throw a word of caution in there for everyone, for you included. Yeah. Having spent some time recently with my buddy Jeff Schick, jeffschick.com, S-C-H-I-C-K, just like the razor, right? He's our legal expert around here. Mm-hmm. And he's been throwing some flags at the concept of selling closeouts and returns and flipping them on Amazon for a few months now specifically. Now, a few years ago, a lot of people were doing really well with it. Now, there's still people doing well with it, but it's one of those categories of risk that I just, you know, I'd be irresponsible not to point out that if Amazon comes back with an IP complaint and says, hey, we need to see a receipt and you show them, you know, a Larry's closeout bin barn, you know, and they, hey, I bought 15 items for $1,800 and that's all you got, you could find yourself in some trouble with Amazon. And there's plenty of people doing it. But there's people losing their accounts over it too, unfortunately. So just throwing that out there, man, use caution. Have you run into any challenges there? No. And fortunately, the places that I go, they do give the, the title of the item and the, the you know, how many you buy and everything. And I've had some times where they would lose items to Amazon. I submitted that receipt and that was acceptable to them. So I haven't had a problem yet. You know, I'm not saying I won't <laughs> ever, yeah. but... Yeah. Again, that's that's becoming less and less part of my business anyway. Yeah, uh, you may want to phase away from that or, or focus eBay and Facebook Marketplace on those items because there is significant risk there. And some people are selling a lot there, but even with that itemized receipt from a, like Larry's Closeout Barn itemized receipt, 
that doesn't prove that there's a chain of custody of those branded items. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. brand could come back and like and say, "Hey, we have no way of knowing if these are Chinese knockoffs." Yeah, okay, there's, there's not a chain of custody here, and so you could you could find yourself having to pay some some money, significant money, or getting your account suspended, probably not permanently for your first offense. Jeff is the guy that we send people to right now for that sort of thing for about eighty nine dollars a month. You can put him on retainer and any Amazon legal things, including a suspension. He just handles all of it because I've seen suspension services out there. Some of the biggest numbers I've heard is ten to fifteen thousand dollars for a mm. reinstatement with no guarantee that they're going to get your account back. Yeah, that's, that's a crazy. lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's nuts. Uh, you know, but uh, so for ninety bucks a month, he's, it, that's a pretty pretty good deal. But the thing I want to put people at ease too is. Jeff says this. I mean, I've had him on the show several times in recent months, and he's at our most recent event too. He says the odds of a permanent suspension are so slim, it's not worth worrying about. You can always get your account back. Now, it might cost you a lot of time, it might cost you a lot of money, and permanent suspensions do happen if you just flagrantly and blatantly ignore the rules and get multiple violations. But yeah, just wanted to spend a little bit of time on that whole closeout thing mm-hmm. and make sure we didn't yeah. paint an in- incorrect picture on the opportunity there. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the Amazon seller app and the Amazon customer app, the way keywords work there are, are different. Completely different. Yeah. And so the shopping app on your phone is different than the dot com website on your desktop, too. And so I usually sometimes I'll type I type it in both, you know. Because you know the one the the Amazon app will definitely find the out of stock items for mm-hmm. you, where the one on the customer facing side will not, unless there's a checkbox you can click for show out of stock items, which can work. That also, when you click that, it also gets rid of all these sponsored ads, so that's useful if you click the uh, out of stock items to show those. So Good that's tip. nice. And so that's what I would do. You know, just go through the pictures and do that, and that worked. You know, I found double couple hundred items like that pretty quickly how many stores how many stores were you sourcing from physical retail stores Mm -hmm. to find those 200 maybe three yeah right Four. maybe it doesn't take many no i mean there's one there's one brand where i found like 40 (laughs) (laughs) right right and and what are your criteria for a good replan And, and for those who are new to the to the episode Jim and I will spend a couple minutes talking through what a replan even is. I think that'd be good use. I haven't done that in a few episodes. Mm-hmm. But what criteria are you looking for? What determines a good replan to you? Well, my beginning criteria were seven drops per month. So about seven Kiba drops. So like seven sales per month or so. And at least $3 profit. <laughs> that was Because I was desperate. Like, I need something. You know? so yeah, I was, proof I was of happy. concept. I was happy to make anything, you know, when you have zero replans, any replan is good, you know? Yep. And so I did that uh, for a while. And then more recently, I've upped the criteria a little bit to 10 drops per month and $5 profit. Though if it's close, it's like 485, you know, I won't split hairs. I'll, I'll take that. So that's kind of my criteria right now. And of course, the, the more drops, the higher profit, the better, you know? Um, but usually like about a 40% ROI is what I'm looking for. Though I will modify that based on, you know, if if the weight is very light, if it's like under a pound, maybe I'll go down to 30% because then you can ship a lot more. So I will adjust the criteria, you know. I don't know if I have an exact algorithm, but just in my feeling, you know, kind of yeah. thing. 
And if it's heavy, like I'm going to look for more profit because if I can only ship four in a box, well, I'm going to want more than $2 or like $5 profit, you know, mm-hmm. I'm want 10, 15, $20 or something. So that's kind of my criteria. And that's what I tell my VA to look for as well. So my VA and they'll find, you know, found this stuff in a lot of stores I never even heard of, you know, which is good. I can, I, more stuff I wouldn't have, have even thought of. And they find right now they're just part time for me. So they're doing about four, about four uh, replens per day for me, Monday through Friday. You know, and recently a lot of them have been good. You know, like most of them have been good. When I first started out, my my first VA, it was kind of hit or miss, maybe like 25% were good to 25 to 50. But now it's about 50 to 100, <laughs> you know, that have been good recently. Good to hear. Yeah. So now, is, well. are they sourcing off stores that you send, or do you just turn them loose and say, "Find me replens from anywhere"? Yeah, kind of like just find me something <laughs> anywhere. I've I've done I have done that though. I've sent pictures of mm-hmm. store shelves, like, "Hey, find this stuff," or "Here's a brand I want you to look for." But just recently, just you know, find me anything, and it's that's been going well. So yeah, I see no reason to change it, you know, until like it doesn't work, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. So if I asked you what is a replan, I always like to ask guests this, and and uh, the answers all kind of compile in together to a pretty cool collection of descriptions because I think it means something a little different to, to yeah. each person as far as how they describe it. I mean, it's the same thing to all of us who are doing the model, but how do you describe a replan? What is a replan? To someone who's familiar with selling products online, how is this different from the treasure hunt that you were talking about earlier? Yeah. What's a replan? So this is something that you can sell over and over again, not necessarily to the same person, but you can sell over and over again. So if you find something at uh, a thrift store, I mean, you no guarantee you'll ever find that again, right? But if you go to Walmart and find something on the shelf there, they usually sell. You sell that and you sell out of it, you can go back and buy it again, you know? And so that's a refund, you know, simply just something you can sell again and again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I add in the detail because I've answered this question hundreds more times than you have. <laughs> I add in the caveat, I can sell it profitably a handful yeah. of times per month and then easily source it as I need more. Mm, yeah. At full retail, typically. Yes. I'm not waiting on sales. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's it. So you're finding these underserved listings on Amazon and then replenishing your inventory as needed as you sell against that ASIN, that listing. And I like the marshmallow example you used a little earlier. I think that helps people maybe paint a clearer picture Mm -hmm. because people may be thinking, well, you looked at a bag of marshmallows, like it's either selling for a profit on Amazon or it's not. Like, what are you possibly researching to find a bunch of winners? Well, that could be a two pack, a three pack, could be in a bundle mixed with, you know, a s'mores pack, right? And it's like, oh, I could source everything in that s'mores pack and make that same bundle. Like that, that bag of marshmallows could appear in 80 listings on Amazon and 79 of them are a complete waste of your time. But one of them is a replen. Yes, yes. Right? I, it's, a, it's a four pack and there's 40% net margin there and $8 per sale. And it's dropping, like you said, 12 times a month yeah. with two other sellers. I can expect at least three to five or maybe even 10 sales a month or more. You learn to read the numbers. Had you used Keepa at all before you found this community as a tool? No, as I, I think I heard about it from from you guys. Yeah, yeah. most um, people hadn't until you get into replens. So, for the listeners' sake, go listen to podcast episode three hundred and sixty nine. That's where I dive into Keepa, what it does, how to use it. We've got a twenty minute video inside our Facebook group as well that 
introduces you to just me kind of scrolling around on Amazon, showing you how I use Keepa plugin mm -hmm. on yeah. Amazon.com and just the winners kind of pop out at you once you know what you're looking for. Especially during, if you're doing online arbitrage, just buy it online, goes to their prep center, you're, and there you go, and they'll take care of it. Hence why I'm excited to go through the uh, online, was it OA Simplified course? I have not gone through that, but I'd like oh, to you'll love it. do that sometime soon and tell my VA, hey, watch these things. And uh, <laughs> Exactly. No, yeah, that'll be added into the, the Proven Amazon course here within the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. right, very soon after this podcast episode drops, uh, the Proven Amazon course will be getting its latest module, which we add a new incredible module about once a month. And the one that's up very close to next is OAS, oasimplified.com. We had about a thousand people pay and go through that content, just raving reviews. But yeah, it really helps you dial in your online sourcing strategies, specifically built around tactical arbitrage, which I doubt you've yeah. played with at all yet. Probably not. I have played with it. Have you? But inefficiently. You know? Sure. It's uh, a bit of an intimidating tool. But yeah. Leah and Jessica, our coaches on our team who were the instructors for that course, really dove in and systemized and put a lot of great bonus content and strategies in there. It, it We should have charged thousands of dollars for that, for that module, but it's just incredible. They did such a great job. But yeah, you're going to love it. If you're dialing in yeah. your online sourcing, that is tremendous. I, as soon as I heard the you know podcast episodes with, with those ladies on it, right? And heard what they were doing, like, oh, they never touched their inventory and things? Like, that's great. That's what I, exactly what I want. You know, I don't want to see my inventory. I want to. I want hands off, just you know, clicking buttons, money making machine kind of thing here. Right. That's right. Yeah. So it, you know, and they're both running. You know, like six figure a month businesses. Yeah. Without ever seeing or touching their inventory. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. They were great coaches and teachers for that. We'll get back to the program in just a second, but I want to tell you about some features included in a software tool called. Seller board. It's time for you to know your numbers. Get over to silentgym.com slash numbers and check out the special offer that we have for this community with seller board starting at just $15 a month. You can get a suite of powerful tools that not only help you understand all your numbers, but give you follow-up email tools, review request campaigns, inventory management, reimbursements for lost and damaged stock and FBA errors, listing change alerts. Wouldn't it be nice to know if one of the listings you're selling on has changed? You can get those alerts with Sellerboard. Pay-per-click bid and keyword optimization, much more. It's a very robust package at a very low price with a great special offer for listeners to this show. If you're an Amazon seller and you don't know your numbers, you need Sellerboard. Get over to silentgym.com slash numbers and check it out. Let's get back to the show. Well, you know, there's about, there's three or four different hats I could put on and love wearing all of them and tackle that question, depending on the audience I'm addressing. Mm -hmm. And this is a very mixed podcast audience, many listeners, a lot of Christians who would agree completely with the premise that you and I would have, which is my business is my ministry and I want to connect the two in the way that God intended. You know, let's talk about it. And then we've got other people who think Christians are crazy, myself included, but they love the business content. Hey, we're friends. If I saw you in person, I'd give you a big hug. That's okay. You can think I'm a little nuts. Hey, that's all right. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't bother me in the slightest, actually, to have people with different worldviews in my friend circle, you know, it, on our team, working together side by side every day. But I got to admit, you know, 
we have to recognize they have a slightly different worldview. So when I tackle a question like this, I want to provide value to as many people as possible. That's the hat I'm going to wear with my answer. Mm-hmm. And knowing that if it was a, a group of business-minded Christians sitting around the table, you know, we'd dive deep for hours and have fun with this. So with that kind of premise, that kind of platform, I basically say, to the degree that you make your business about relationships is the degree you're going to have success. To the degree that you make your business about relationships is the degree you're going to have success. And that holds true for any of us. What I mean by incorporating relationships in your business is to the degree that you include others in your success and your you know partnerships and hiring employees and suppliers, making it about others. This is, this is where my Hebrew background comes into benefit. And I don't know if you've heard me mention this before. This is from my my buddy, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. A transaction in Hebrew is the start of a mutually beneficial lifelong relationship. That's what a transaction is. It's the start of a mutually beneficial lifelong relationship. It starts off with mutual benefit and it just grows from there. So to me, the question isn't so much, how do I blend my ministry into my business? To me, I'm not convinced, and this is just me talking now, right? Just haven't studied this topic at length. I think the question we should be asking is, is it even possible to run a business without dramatically improving the lives of countless others? I say it's not. It's not possible to run a business without dramatically improving the lives of countless others. To run a profitable business is to effectively serve others extremely well. That's what a business is. That's what it does. Not just your customers, but your suppliers, your partners, your employees, the people you're in. You've got to serve well because if you're not serving well, that's where the business starts to break. So we're already in serve mode. Just running a business, we're serving. That's ministry. If you're a believer, that interaction, right? So I would say it's not possible to run a business and not have it be your ministry. Blend the worlds. 100% overlap them. I actually had a pastor call me one time and his question for me was this. He said, I'm having a hard time keeping these two worlds separate. I'm a pastor, got my church, it's going good, I love it. On the side, I've got this e-commerce thing I do in the evenings and the weekends, and it's exploding. It's beautiful, it's amazing, but I'm really worried that the people in my church are going to think differently of me when they discover that I'm this successful business guy as well. And he was concerned, legitimately concerned. And that's that's been probably 10 years or so ago. And I said, I'm pretty sure that not only is there no damage that will be done when they learn this, but you'll be doing them a huge favor by revealing to them, there's a whole world of opportunity out there. You'll be serving them better than you are now by saying, hey, there's a lot of things you could be doing out here and the interesting businesses you can start that will take you into new relationships. You'd be introducing yourself to people you never would have met otherwise, letting your light shine in in the corners of the world you never thought you'd be exposed to Hmm. by being in business. And even for me, Personally, I think every missionary that any denomination in the world sends out should send them out equipped as an entrepreneurial business business warrior, basically, so they can go in under the flag of business owner and go anywhere, and the world will welcome them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go in with your thirty pound Bible and hit people in the head, you know there's some countries that aren't too excited about having you there, right? Mm-hmm. So just as a strategic thing, go in as a business owner. And yeah, take the light of the gospel and take that love that God has for you that you want to show other people. Take it with you wherever you go. So to me, I guess the short answer is there's no delineation whatsoever between serving in business or serving in ministry. I know some people are called to do ministry and that's their focus. I'm not taking anything from that. But if you're in business, that is your ministry if you're a Christian. That's my short answer to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a good book. Have you read um, 
Evangelpreneur by Josh Tolley by any chance? No, no. T-O-L-L-E-Y, Josh Tolley. Look him up. Uh, actually, Jimmy Smith on our team does some work for him. Evangelpreneur is the title, pretty slick title, but he basically makes the argument in that book that everyone needs to start a business. Absolutely everyone should have a home-based business because of the time we live in. And he lays down multiple, multiple reasons. Everything from family dynamic, husband-wife relationships, and, mm. you know, and just across the board, statistics and data backs up every point he makes. And then basically this lays down that, uh, especially for us as Christians, is that the opportunity for, you know, we're called to share the good news that we have. Business is just another avenue to do that. So that's my it's somewhat choppy, perhaps, but my take on all of that. And I'd be curious to hear, you know, how you would, what you're struggling with as you think through that and, and you know, what prompted that question even. You know, how does that work? Or is there other avenues you can build relationships through? Even, yes. Even let me, let me tackle that because I've seen thousands of people do these business models. And don't belittle the relationships that seem to be completely virtual that should be more personal. Meaning like the manager at Walmart, yeah, you should be one of their favorite customers. The manager of the store, yeah, get to know them. Yeah, take them a little gift. Get to know their first name. Get their cell phone. You know, Get to know... That'll pay off in bigger results for your business and bigger opportunities for you. It'll lead to other things. But it also, that's another, that's another relationship. You know, we, we should be in constant relationship expansion mode. So while the Amazon model itself can be somewhat impersonal, I'm never going to meet the person that bought the six pack of green beans. Some businesses meet their customers. Mm-hmm. As an Amazon reseller, not necessarily. And that's one of the big challenges I have with the, the model, actually. I had a chance to speak to, have you heard me tell that story? The yeah. senior vice president that I met, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you got to let buyers and sellers connect, buddy. You're leaving a lot of revenue on the table. And they tend to agree with me. And I think they're doing some things to start to break down those barriers. But we don't have to wait on Amazon to do the right thing to break down those barriers. And instead of an email, get on the phone. You'll make more money. That sentence right there stands alone. Mm-hmm. Not only will you build more quality relationships, you'll make more money too. The two aren't conflicting messages. They're co-supportive messages. You know, they 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 compound on each other. Pick up the phone more. Or get on a Zoom more if you're used to texting and emailing or phone call. Get on Zooms, build relationships with people who are doing this business, others in your area who are in e-commerce, other small business owners. Now that you're a small business owner, you have something in common with a lot of other people in your area that you didn't have in common with before you started a business. And that is, I'm trying to build a business here. All right, A lot of the same struggles. There's a lot you have in common with the guy who runs a dog grooming business. You don't realize it yet. Mm-hmm. But you can say a lot of that. You can finish each other's sentences. It's like sometimes the most annoying part of my business is the customers, man. Like, yeah, we've all, all got that in common. Look around the room. Like, hey, I've never heard anyone say that before, right? I mean, they are, we're all running different businesses and we can all say that, right? Like those things you have in common with the other small business. So that's new relationships you can venture into mm-hmm. based on, hey, I'm a small business owner now, right? The mm-hmm. accountant that you're going to need, great person to know. So the, the relationships, you have to be intentional about it. But uh, one of the one of the leaders in our community said a few years back, the solution to every challenge you're going to run into is a person. Not necessarily. No, a book can help you. A strategy session with a coach you'll never meet. But 
if you can integrate new people into your life as you're solving the challenges of business, you look around suddenly and you've got 50 people in your life that wouldn't have been there had you not started a business. Never mind the fact that we're never going to meet the person we sold a six-pack of green beans to. Okay, we may not ever meet that customer, but that doesn't mean we can't be very intentional about the relationships. Just because our model keeps some people out of our life relationally, there's still a whole lot of people we can include. Does that make sense? And you have to be intentional about it. It's not going to, you're not going to stumble into it. Yeah, yeah. That that's really good, actually. Yeah. That because you know, I've seen people do this model for decade, two decades. I know someone. I'm not going to name names. Some people know who I'm talking about, but they ran a very isolated model of this business. Stay home, leave me alone. Everything's email, never get on the phone, never do Zooms, never do live events. I'm just going to, you know, I'm doing e-commerce, me, myself, and I over here in my little corner. It's just a, it's a lonely, isolated, I don't know how you stay motivated type of way to do this. But on the other hand, the people I see do really, really well. And, and he didn't do as well as I thought he definitely could have and should have because he just mm-hmm. was kind of by himself. But then the people that do really well tend to be the people that surround themselves. They start a mastermind group. Maybe they're in three or four different mastermind groups and it seems like they're always on Zooms with groups of people and live events. And they, you know they come to our proven conference and they're always interacting. Their list of contacts is growing. Those are the people that tend to do really, really well. So not only do they have more relationships, they're making more money. They're putting more money in the bank. They're not afraid of what I call that superpower of reaching out, getting on the phone, making new phone contacts or, you know, new relationships. So mm-hmm. it's a topic of passion for me. I feel like I could, I could rant way too long about it, but um, you can't let our business model be an excuse for not constantly integrating new relationships into our business. Is there really, I know you suggested maybe someone local. Is there a reason why that would be better than a prep center in your, in your mind? Is there a reason? Oh, you yeah. That? Well, good question. The reason I mentioned that specifically, well, in general, I think it's just a good idea to to have some local support for whatever it is that you're doing, if possible, if you're selling stuff online. For example, if you're using a prep center exclusively, you're going to get some returns and they're going to come to your house, <laughs> right? Typically. Mm-hmm. Or you can send them to the prep center and they're not going to do them. I don't know if prep centers that will cash out your returns and sell them on eBay for you. Maybe they exist, but there's money there. What are you going to do with it? Just stack up in your garage? It would be nice to have some local presence. It's kind of like that slow and steady scaling. Okay. So it's just you and your garage and your living room. And now, you know, it's off to a neighbor's house. And now we're using a prep center for 90%, but still 10% is local. The Facebook marketplace, the eBay, the returns. It's just good to have that diversification of support, I guess is what I'm saying. And it makes sense to me to kind of have that neighbor who works for you 5, 10 hours a week, mm-hmm. slapping labels on boxes and listing stuff on eBay that, you know, oops, I bought wrong, wrong item. Oh, I'm not allowed to sell that. I thought I was. That sort of thing. And you can still turn that into cash. By having right. someone local, right? Because the people I know that do only prep center, they get a little stuck. They're like, what do I do with my returns? What do I do with my bad inventory? What, where is it? what am I supposed to do with it? It'd be nice to have it local. That's the reason I mention it. But no, prep centers are a beautiful arrangement. Prepcenternetwork.com. I'm sure you've probably been on there. Yes. yes. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well as everything else we mentioned today. But that's a, this is a free list of all the prep centers we know of. Yeah, Absolutely. Start right. looking into it. For 90% of your online arbitrage buying, makes total sense to to jump on that for sure. Yeah. And I'd probably still even do some 
locally because there's some local products you can't buy online here that are very profitable. Right. Still do that. But just just in my mind, the future, again, the the concept of being able to do this anywhere in the world, if I have someone local here, but it's you know coming to my house, like they're not gonna be able to get in and I'm gonna have well, boxes stacked yeah, in front, you know. Let's <laughs> think through that. That you're not that far yeah. from connecting the dots. Okay. So this person who's local who lives near you, they can still go to those retail stores, maintain those relationships with those managers, mm-hmm. those brands, whatever, take it to their house, put your FDA labels on it, prep it, send it in. They're not coming to your house. Yeah. It's all happening at their house, right? So that's one reason why I'm kind of encouraging mm-hmm. find someone, a neighbor, someone in the area that can start working part-time, a single mom who has hours in the evenings, a retiree, something like that. There's right. another relationship for you. There's someone else who's kind of holding down the fort locally. The stuff that right. gets delivered instead of delivered to your house, have it delivered there, or they come to your house once a day and just pick it all up off the porch or get the code into your garage or whatever, right? Like these kind of arrangements start to make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an in-between yeah. step between having it all in your living room or having it in a prep center that's a thousand miles away. I haven't heard many people talk about this. I don't know why, but you can buy stuff on Amazon and then sell it on Amazon again, you know? So I don't know why like a lot of people aren't, you know, praising it, you know? Or, give me give me some examples of what you've done. I mean, without giving away any of your hot ideas, but yeah. So there's like it. a there's like a a listing, uh, and it's actually the same exact product. It's like a six pack of something, right? And I buy that sent to my house, and there's another six pack, same item, just different ASIN, and I sell it for like triple the price, you know. And I buy it from Amazon itself, you know. Uh, I would suggest not buying from third-party sellers because you never know what you're going to get there. You buy from Amazon, they can't complain, you know. And so I found, I have like maybe 10, 12 replens just from, you know, buying from Amazon, selling on Amazon. So if I found 10 or 12, that must be thousands out yes. there, you know. Right. And then also a, an easy way to get ungated in, in things is buy stuff from Amazon, you know. You can buy it from Amazon, send them the you know, the invoice that you got from them and they're a distributor. So you can get ungated in anything they sell, anything Amazon sells. And so I've used that to get ungated in dozens of products, you know? Yeah. Then you just (laughs) find, maybe find another ASIN where you can get a little bit of profit or break even or even lose a little bit is completely fine. Um, Get ungated. Yeah, I love it. Let's, but let's no, go back uh, to that marshmallow example we used earlier to make sure people catch what we're saying. You know, we said there's, there's what, 90 different... ASINs yeah, that include yeah. this bag of marshmallows. And and 79 of those are completely unprofitable, including yeah. one that seems like they're selling that bag of marshmallows like half the price anywhere else on the planet selling it. Mm-hmm. So you order from that guy. <laughs> yeah, Maybe it's the Amazon's deal or whatever, you know? And they're like, why are right. they selling marshmallows as a loss? I don't know. And I don't care. I'm going to order a bunch of them and I'm going to sell them against this other ASIN over here, the s'mores kit. Well, there's $8 margin. Right. The cheapest place I can get those marshmallows is right off Amazon. Here's what you can't do, though. This is a little warning. Throw a little flag. Don't mm-hmm. use your Prime account yes, to do yes. this. Amazon does not want to see Prime discounts applied to buyers who are flipping <laughs> and right. selling on get on their platform. He's a separate account. Yeah, he's a separate Sep- account. Sep- well, even yeah. if it's a separate account, if you're using your Prime membership to get that but, Prime discount yeah, on Amazon... Yeah, but don't use the Prime. <laughs> they, know your I- they know your IP yeah. address. They know... The, those, the buyer account and seller account are associated with the same house address, even if it's someone who comes to your house. Yeah, well, you got, I mean, I'm saying you could set up a business account and that would be separate. You can put that under a separate email and that wouldn't be connected to a, 
uh, personal account. And then with a business account, you can also apply for tax exemption. So uh, you can buy stuff tax exempt off of Amazon with that. So yeah, you, but you can't, you, but even still, if you intend to resell it, don't use your prime account. Right, right. But usually right. for business, you have to pay ex, a separate fee for business prime mm-hmm. for under the business account. Is what That's I, outside I, of my scope yeah. of, of where I can confidently speak. If it's a business buyer account, if you can still flip yeah. and resell that on Amazon, I'd, I'd have to say, I don't know. But if, don't use your personal prime account to flip. Right, right. Right. I, I do know that for sure. I've seen people get in trouble. That's one of those things where it's like, um, it doesn't matter who you hire, you're going to have a hard time getting your account back if they catch you flipping. It's kind of right, like having right. multiple selling accounts running out of the same. Yeah. The Amazon does not like that. They'll shut right. it down. There's just follow Amazon's rules and you'll be fine. You know, exactly. <laughs> just don't exactly. break the rules. But that is a great tip. Well, you know what? As I'm finishing this thought, a book you would really enjoy is The E Myth by Michael Gerber. Have you ever read it or heard of it? I have. Yes. You've read it? Yes, I read the one for entrepreneurs and he made one for chiropractors, but I read it as well. No way. Okay. Yeah. So th- did that book speak to what you were talking about right now pretty well? It was probably seven or eight years ago that I read it. So I could definitely redigest read it. Read it again as a guy running two businesses. And he he's going to hit you in the face with a two by four about 15 times in that book. Yeah. Because one of the lessons that he's going to drill into you is you can't be the technician, yes. and the owner. You can't do both. You've got to think like an owner, like an investor, like a numbers guy. That is exactly what I want to become as an owner. Mm -hmm. And I either don't have the mentality or the training to take that step. (laughs) Well, and here, here's having seen a lot of people go through this journey. And I've been, it's been a 20 year journey for me, literally where I think instinctually this way, I don't get into anything that would require me. You know, this podcast is literally the only exception. Mm-hmm. Because that would be difficult to, to transfer the Silent Gym podcast to somewhere right. else, and you know, long term, that may be a strategic mistake on my part. But that's okay. I love doing what I do. This is my ministry. I have fun doing. I'm meeting great people. Right. It's it's you know, and it's not a core. If I shut this podcast down, it would hurt. But I've got other things rocking still that other people are completely in charge of. It doesn't rely on me. Well, so I think the little mindset shift that needs to be made. And again, I've been on this journey a long time. It's an incremental thing. It's not a step you take. It's a hundred steps you take by constantly asking yourself, am I the only one that could be doing what I'm doing? Am or stated differently and more powerfully. And this is a key phrase you mentioned, you know, I've created this content. I've said this a hundred times in books and podcast episodes, content I've created. Only do the things that only you can do. Yes. And that list needs to be shrinking. Your unique selling proposition, the USP. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And as as a business owner, it becomes very, very little, except making the big, important decisions that adjust the direction of your business. Well, and that was one of the three main things. I had had three criteria I wanted to go after a a side hustle. And that being able to scale and step away Mm-hmm. Is what was one the main factor. I did not want to be. I didn't. I didn't want a second job. And here I am, three years later, with a second job. Yes. So, yeah. That was well, a key now, thing temporarily. Right. But there's no aspect of this business that requires you at the center. Right. Every piece of it can someone else can be trained in relatively short period of time. I would think so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you can. 
So the first person you replace, the first thing you bring on board is someone else to find new inventory. Who else is going out and finding money? Who else is going out and finding opportunity? That's a virtual assistant that you pay $4 per hour in the Philippines as trained by our team, or you could train them yourself. But I see the value of that infinitely. And just, we got my wife and my wife would love to get this out of our dining room. (laughs) So we've done it all out of there. Yeah. Well, that's almost the treat on the other side of this first initial leap. You have to this first those. I remember I said a hundred steps. Yes. You know, and it's not really a hundred. It's maybe five or ten. But I just want you to think mentally incremental. Not tomorrow. I'm stepping away from my business and I'm giving other people all the job. Like no, it's an incremental thing, <laughs> right? It's a, it was, you almost mature into the process slowly, you develop into it. But one of those first steps is getting someone else bringing in revenue. That's important. I could defend why that's important as opposed to, I don't like box tape. I think I'm going to bring someone in to do that. No, that's not how you, it's not what you like and don't like. That's a very immature process to think, yes. of, you know, the mature process, the, the thinking like a business owner is I need someone else bringing in revenue. Okay, got it. Now, where do we go next? It's the stuff that I can get off my desk by paying somebody the least amount of money and creating the maximum amount of convenience, such as prep. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, oh, I took my hand off prep immediately. That was the worst part of this job for me. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you got on Facebook and put up a post and said, hey, I need someone to put tape on boxes and put stick stickers on stuff and I'll oh, pay yeah. 12 bucks an hour, you'd have 50 candidates, right? Oh, they wouldn't all no be great doubt. candidates. Yeah, I have no doubt. Yeah, that, that, that's the easy thing for me to do is take my hand off that. Right, right. So that piece, but the shopping piece too is another one mm-hmm. where you can pay people. Here's your shopping list. Go out and buy these things, especially if it's OA. Now you can have someone in the Philippines if it's online sourcing. You got someone in the Philippines doing your shopping. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. That's that's like my January goal. I'm, I'm hoping to finish my fourth quarter with what we're doing put a few bucks in the bank to hang on to for training or whatever we got to and hit January, 2023 at a sprint. And the most powerful lever right now, I would argue almost in not just e-commerce, but in the world of business, the most powerful lever you can apply right now is a virtual assistant for $4 per hour. Yeah, that's incredible. Who's more talented at what you're trying to do than you are? Yes. <laughs> what? That's a powerful lever that starts to free up your time and your headspace and gives you back that you can start working out again. And suddenly your business is growing again because it's not reliant on your capacity. Right. You've created two, three, four, five of yourself. And those other versions of yourself, that's all they do is work on your business. Well, you get to live a very different schedule, a different life, and seeing a business that's growing. The OA Simplified content is tremendous. You would love it. OASimplified.com. Again, it's a separate website, but that content is rolling in in early 2023. We're rolling that into the Proven Amazon course. So you're not too far out. Get a plan in place. You you can kind of put steps. Mm -hmm. I think you could probably come up with 10 or 15 steps between you and Angela just to kind of think it through. What are we going to tackle first? What's next? Make sure it makes logical sense. And, you know, if, if, if I was there kind of coaching you through, I already mentioned the things I would say is, you know, you go after the low-hanging fruit, the levers. What are the levers, right? You know, with just a little bit of effort, suddenly we've lifted a boulder, 
right? Yes. What, what are those? And, and the, the obvious one is let's get somebody else looking for replants. Let's yes, pay someone please. two bucks, four bucks an hour. And, yeah. and we're waking up every day and they got a whole bunch of new profitable inventory. Yeah, that's step right? one. I would agree. That's an easy one. And, and just a guy, you know, this is just friend to friend chat. You may already have a name here, you know, but I would, one observation I'd make about the situation you're in is, you know, I don't know at what point you want to step away fully from chiropractic, but it's never too soon to start tracking down someone who can say, hey, here's what it looks like to transfer a chiropractor from owner A to owner B with, you know, minimal loss of, of revenue. And, you know, right. what's that thing worth? You know, do you get one big payout or do you trickle it out over time and consult or, you know, there's guys who've done that before. Find that person. So yes. the solution isn't necessarily you thinking through creatively all the hundred things that go into that. It's finding that person who's done this with 50 chiropractors before. No, I agree. And I, that, that's the, the term I keep using with, with my wife. I was like, our, our next, the last 10 years have been nothing but stress and diapers. <laughs> now our kids are older. Everyone's in school. I was like, this next 10 years has the potential to look different than what you've even dreamed. And we're, we're trying to put a vision board together. We're trying to really look at what this wants to be and this. And I've truly believe this business is at the center of all of it. So yeah. that is, yeah. And, and I've seen a lot of people put it at the, at the middle and it leads to a lot of great things. Yeah. Meaning opportunities, relationships. That's you've heard that as a theme. If you've listened to some podcast episodes, mm. I think that what you're going to replace the boxes and tape with and the bubble wrap and the shopping trips is going to be replaced with people, relationships, other people, similar positions to you, you know, getting into a mastermind, a, a two hour Zoom every Thursday with others in the community and just kind of talking through each other's businesses, challenging, maybe creating some content, maybe doing some coaching with us, right? People, that's that next. And that's not a gym philosophy. That's not something I came up with. Well, that's universal. Yeah, absolutely. So Can I ask you a really drug taking and screaming into that? They Can think, I no, I want really the world to leave question. me alone. You know, that's not what the future looks like for any of us. I have a really weird comment on that. And this is an insecurity I've had my entire professional career is that I have a difficult time being around people who are so much more successful than I am. Instead of going, wow, look at them. I want to chase what they're chasing. It's almost an insecurity of, man, look what they have that I haven't achieved yet, especially in my own peer group. And I'll just, I'll open myself and be vulnerable in that. That is something I have struggled with over the years. You know what that tells me about you? What's that? You're human. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is a serious mountain for anyone to climb. Right, because it's it's humility, which is one of the most difficult virtues. Yeah. Right, and some people have it. You know, one of my five kids has that in spades. I mean, oh, he right. can just get trounced, and he, I mean, he was this way since he was a kid, play, playing a sport or something. Guys are just so much better than him, and they're scoring on him and making him look just useless. And he's like, "Man, you are so good. Could you teach me maybe after the game, like during the game?" He's saying these things, right? Like, oh, really? I, I would love to learn from you. Like, how did you do that? And he's genuinely excited for their success. Yeah. That, so I think kind of the opposite of that, where I see right. someone just destroy me and I'm like, Ugh, no. most of us are that way. Yeah. Myself included. We feel, we feel smaller, but that's, that is one of the things that we need to overcome in order to truly succeed. You know, who was, you know, George Bush Jr., you know, was the one I heard say most often. And you've heard other people say, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, I'm in the wrong room. 
Right. I surround myself with people smarter than me. And that's been a lot of my business strategy. Mm -hmm. Everybody on our team is significantly better than I am at at least a good handful, if not a whole bunch of things. Otherwise, I would not have succeeded at the level I'm I'm at. And I'm I'm way better than I was even three years ago, two or three years ago. But still, it's that's that's one of my one of my things I have to fight on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. And just being able to say that you're fighting it, that transparency tells me that you're well on your way. Because yeah. a lot of people, I think, that would say that, they're so narcissistic and, and self-focused that <laughs> they could never bring themselves to even say something like that, right? They want to be the most successful, the one that everybody looks at, the one that everyone comes to. You know, it, without, without naming names, I don't like to do that, but I've got a name in my mind. But there's organizations that are run by people like that. Right. And they're very successful individuals. But the people around them are miserable because all roads lead to the center. And who's at the center? The king with a huge crown on his head who rules with an iron fist and shows everybody how awesome he is, right? Mm -hmm. That's the path you're on when you've got to feel like, well, I I need to make sure everyone realizes I'm the best one here. I've gone all in on emphasizing that I'm one of the least valuable, If like of the hundred people that run what we do around here, I'm one of the least valuable guys you could spend some time with if you want to get in the dirt and make things happen. Like I'm the theory guy. Sure, I've been doing it a while, but I rely on my team. Like if I had to go prep a box right now to send into Amazon, I would be incompetent. My kids <laughs> would be better at it than me because I haven't done it in so long, right? Well, uh, I'm embracing that incompetence. Yes. It sounds like my wife when she... <laughs> uh, I'm at home and I'll get home and she'll be finishing packaging. She's like, and I'll be like, well, shouldn't you do it this way? She's like, look, I've been doing this every week for three years. We right. have a system, back away, let us do what we're doing. Yes. I'm like, it's so, <laughs> it so reminds me of, you know, I, I started learning this lesson when I was maybe 15 or 16 working at Hardee's, right? Down in Martinsville, not too far from where we're at. And, and I was... Say Martinsville? Man. Yeah. Yeah. I was the man. Hardy's Martinsville in the eighties, buddy. Let me tell you what, they'd put me in the back line. It's like, you could put any three people you want back there. This is a fast food restaurant for those who don't know, or you could put me back there. I could tear it up. So one day the regional manager comes in, it's a Friday, it's busy. We're getting slammed. I look like I need help. I don't need help. He comes back there and starts trying to help. And I'm using air quotes and he's just in my way. He's slowing me down where stuff's falling and getting, you know, like, and I, I said, respectfully, sir, I have a great amount of admiration for what you've achieved and you're the authority here. And I have to do things the way that you want them done, but things will go a whole lot smoother. Just an idea I have. It was something like this. Those aren't the exact words, but I was very correct. Right. about it. I said, things I think will go a whole lot better if you went out front and maybe spent time with the customers and helped put the orders together because I got this. And he, he was, stood there for a minute, decided if he was insulted or not and said, all right. <laughs> he headed out. I was like, yes. I didn't know if he was going to fire me or what. But, you know, I mean, but there's a good lesson there for me. And I was learning like, hey, I, I'm i just the, I'm the minimum wage hourly guy here. Who am I to confront you know, and do those kind of things? But building a business is like that. The business owner has got to be small enough to step out of the way. The people that they put in place, let them make some mistakes. Let them learn. That's they, good. Will, they will be better than you far faster than you ever thought they could be. My BHAG, my big, hairy, audacious goal. I don't know if you ever heard that term before. Absolutely. 
<laughs> there is a, my BHAG is to bring enough income in that my wife doesn't have to work uh, because she has provided our healthcare insurance all these years as a, you know, as a small business, health insurance is extraordinarily expensive. If you didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, that's something we help people navigate around here all the time, actually. I mean, I, we're not endorsed by any in particular, but there's some, there's some good options out there. Gotcha. So yeah, I would like to get to a point where my wife can work part-time PRN, however she wants to. And that, that would be my, my big one. And then surround yourself with others who are on a similar journey. That's, that's the oh, one thing I would encourage you as you put in kind of that top 10, top 15 list of things you're going to make happen. Find another group of people who are ideally achieving at a level you are at or even admirably larger Yes, that you can meet with. Coming to our live events is a, almost a must do for you this next time around. I agree. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.